Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Hello, Sermon Podcast listeners. Before we get to the sermon of the day, I wanted to extend to you a special invitation to a live video Zoom conference that we are holding for all of our audience on Monday, July 26th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That would be 6 p.m. on the West Coast. You are invited. If you are hearing this message, we'd love to meet you via Zoom conference. We're expecting about a 30-minute meeting on Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Please come and check it out. All of the Zoom links are in the show notes below. We'll love to see you then. Thanks, guys. Kings chapter 20. One other thing that I want to remind you about is that our church is producing a sermon podcast. Uh, This began as a podcast to simply publish the sermons that are preached here in our in our home church, uh, but has in recent weeks, Dave and I have begun building it up to be something a little bit more, uh, where we are now publishing daily sermons from around the fellowship, and uh, so it's a great great uh, blessing to other people in our fellowship and others around the world. We're seeing God um, we're seeing God use that uh, already in amazing ways, and um, we are raising up funds for, from that podcast. For world evangelism. It's a great thing. But all of that to tell you is there was a sermon that we published this week from Pastor Sergei Golubev, which I listened to. And uh, not only am I producing the podcast, but <laughs> I'm receiving from it because this was a powerful message uh, that, uh, that had to do with authority of the believer. And he told this story that I want to relate to you. Pastor Sergei Golubev is the leader of our fellowship in Vologda, Russia. So they have many churches there in Russia. He's the leader of those churches. And they have a conference, just like we're having Bible conference in Prescott, Arizona. It's our leadership church. Well, also because the church in Vologda, Russia, is the leadership church of the Russian fellowship, they have a conference twice a year. And part of their conference, just like part of our conference, is that they will invite fellowship speakers to come in and preach. Uh, in that conference. And so that, that he told about a, a particular year where he had invited Pastor Richard Ruby to come and preach in their conference. Everybody knows who Pastor Richard Ruby is, one of, the, one of our fellowship's great, great preachers, just an incredible, uh, 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 can, can, he's a storyteller, he's a, he's a very inspiring speaker. So he brings Pastor Richard Ruby into Vologda, Russia. And, uh, and so during the services... They, they didn't know this, but there happened to be a member of the secret police of Russia who had come in and was observing what was happening in their, in their conference. And, uh, and so the problem was 
that Pastor Richard Ruby had a, a visa, but it was a tourist visa, not a religious visa. And so uh, according to the letter of the law, he was not allowed to be preaching uh, under a tourist visa. And the secret police was there, uh, and he described how the, the, there was a picture. They produced a, a, a photograph of him preaching, and here's Richard Ruby on the stage preaching, and there's a, a whole swath of Russians bowing down before him at the altar. And, and uh, so he had used this as evidence. They came and arrested Pastor Richard Ruby from his hotel, took him to the police. They were threatening all these kinds of uh, things. We're, you know, we're, we're going to put you in front of a court. You're going to go to prison. There's all these uh, terrible things happening. And uh, so, you know, like worst situation that Pastor Sergei Golubev could ever imagine. He is the host, and now his guests from America have been arrested and threatened to go to jail. So he puts a phone call. There's a person in his church who is related to a lawyer. And so, you know, when, whenever you're in trouble, you got to have good representation, right? So he calls this lawyer. And there at the police station, he's speaking to the lawyer, and the lawyer tells him over the phone, the police have no authority to keep that pastor there. According to the letter of the law, they have no authority to keep them there. Now, now just imagine the scene. Pastor Richard Ruby is there with handcuffs, sitting in a chair in a locked room, being interrogated, and Pastor Sergei is there interpreting and trying to, you know, trying to work out the situation. But the police have him in this room. But the lawyer tells him those words, they have no authority to keep them there. And with that word, Pastor Sergei Golubev, he rose up in defiance against the police. He said that he was possessed by the Holy Spirit and began telling the police, you have no authority to keep my pastor here. You are going to unlock the handcuffs. And they unlock the handcuffs. You are going to stand him up and take him out of this room. And that's exactly what they did. And by the time it was over, uh, uh, and here's Pastor Richard Ruby, who doesn't speak Russian, doesn't understand anything that's going on. All he knew was that uh, Pastor Sergei came in and was very angry about something. But by the end of this end of the day they were able to get him up and out of the police station they got a plane ticket they got him out of russia <laughs> and uh thankfully things have smoothed out since then and he has been back to preach uh since that that uh, horrible situation but what i the what that story illustrates so well is that pastor sergey he had the he had the freedom of pastor ruby already secured but it was not affected yet he had authority over those police officers but it was not yet asserted now that truth this morning is is at work at every believer's life there are things there are promises that god has made to you there are certain things that god has called you to be free from there are certain realities that god has allowed you to experience and yet you are not experiencing them because you have not asserted your authority that God already gave you. You have not declared it. You have not fought for it. You have not sought the will of God that he has already ordained for you to have. And so I wonder how many Christians are still in the prison of self-doubt, still in the prison 
of fear or shame, and God has already ordained you to stand up and walk out of that place. But it's going to take a possession of the Holy Spirit. Just like Pastor Sergei, he had to go in there and he had to tell them, you have no authority to hold him here. And somewhere along in our lives, too, we're going to have to take dominion and authority over the things that keep us bound. In the story we're about to read, we're going to read about King Hezekiah. And it's an incredible story of healing. And many people focus on the sign of his healing where the, the, the shadow of the sun turns back 10 degrees. And that's a very interesting thing in the Bible. Uh, I'm not going to focus on that this morning. I want to preach to you about the prayer of Hezekiah and talk to you about the authority of the faithful. Let's read together 2 Kings chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. Isaiah, the prophet, son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order. Now, just mark this. This is the word of who? The word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. The Lord said that to him. Now, if the Lord said that to you, most of us would say, okay, guess my time is up. I get to go be with Jesus. Praise the Lord. But that's not what Hezekiah did. Look at verse 2. He turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart. And have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, and surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days 15, 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Authority of the faithful. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the power, uh, for the dominion and the authority that you have given to your people. God, that, you, God, that your people that we would once again take that dominion and uh, apply it. We would assert the rights that you have given us as children of God. Lord, don't let us just, uh, uh, just float down the gutter of life. God, but let us continue. Let us stand up for what's right. Let us make an impact, God, with our lives. And we thank you for all that you've done, all that you are going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. I want to inform you this morning. As a child of God, as a faithful servant of God, you have certain authority. And you ought to use it today. Let me begin with this point by telling you, first of all, some bad news. Sometimes faithful servants will endure hardships. Hezekiah is the king of Israel in our, in our scripture. His name means strengthened by Jehovah. He is commended by the Bible in every description of him in the word of God. Tells us that he was a great king, a good king that did many good things for the kingdom of Israel uh, and even more for the kingdom of God. 
Uh, we are grateful that he did not follow in the example of his father or his grandfather before him, because both of them were wicked men and led the nation into idolatry. But thankfully, he followed the example of his great-grandfather, King Uzziah. And just like his great-grandfather, he led the nation into a time of, of repentance. Of, uh, he, he began to tear down the idols that had been constructed during the reign of his father and his grandfather. He was faithful to the, to the God of Israel. He set himself to abolish the idolatry. And uh, for all of these things, uh, even, even the, uh, the, the, the brazen serpent, which had been removed to Jerusalem, which had become an object of idol worship, uh, this, this great reformation took place in the kingdom of Judah during his reign. Listen to 1 Kings 18, verse 4, describing what King Hezekiah did. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan, an Egyptian god. What a wicked thing, man. The very thing that they looked to for redemption and healing in the time of Moses had become an idol that they worshipped. And so Hezekiah had to come in and bust up this piece of history because people were worshipping it. The bottom line here is that Hezekiah is one of the very few kings of Israel that does not have recorded in the word of God any major scandal or any idol worship. Listen to 2 Kings 18 uh, verse 3, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. Verse 5 says, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord, he did not depart from following him, kept his commandments, which the Lord had commandment, commanded Moses. Now listen. This is the description, not just of a faithful king, but a faithful follower of the Lord, a faithful man of God. This sermon that I'm about to preach to you today applies to the faithful, and you can't just automatically include yourself in that category, because there are very few in, in, the, uh, in the record of of the Old Testament and even the New, of those who held true, held fast to the word of God, to the will of God, and did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Hezekiah is one of the few. And yet we have this curious uh, account in the scripture that we read where here is a faithful man who has done amazing things for God, amazing things for his kingdom, amazing things uh, of righteousness for his family, bringing glory to his, uh, to his family's name and to the kingdom of God. And here he is, verse 1 of our scripture, he was sick and near death. Now this is something that our human brains can't always figure out well. Lord, why do you afflict the righteous? Why do you let bad things happen to good people? It's a, it's a real struggle, isn't it? You know, uh, why, why, God, why is it th that there are, there are little babies that get leukemia and all various kinds of cancer and, and sicknesses and illnesses? It's like they haven't done anything wrong, Lord. And, and here they are suffering with tragedy 
difficulty, pain, families going through uh, uh, a living hell on earth, dealing with this. I want to declare to you, first of all, that sometimes faithful servants will endure hardships. I picked up this uh, story of a woman named Amy Copeland, 24 years old. She was a graduate of a student of psychology. Uh, She was a graduate student of psychology. She was working on her thesis at the University of West Georgia, beginning to be ready to take her place in society. She seemed to be preparing herself well. And while she was out with friends, relaxing, enjoying a weekend, she and others were enjoying themselves while ziplining over the Talaposa River, where she accidentally gashed her leg. And from that gash, there was some bacteria in the water that set deeply into that wound. And over some weeks, it developed into a severe case of a life-threatening, flesh-eating disease. Just out having some fun. She was in the hospital for three months. She lost three out of her four limbs as a result. Thankfully, her life was spared. You know, you look at a story like that, a, a, a good girl uh, doing good things at a, you know, at a Bible school and preparing for a, for a career, and it's like, what, what do, what's going on here? And what we must acknowledge, what we must remember, is that we are living in a fallen world. We are living, living in a broken system. This is not the world that God created. When you see tragedy, when you see heartbreak, and when your heart breaks for a situation like that, just remember, God's heart is twice as broken as yours. Because every tragedy is a product of the sin of of human beings. It all started in that garden when we turned away from God back then. That was the source of sickness. That was the source of death. Are you with me this morning? And... Uh, And God's heart is broken even more than our hearts are broken when there is pain, when there is illness, when there is disease, when there is sickness, and when good people like King Hezekiah are sick and near unto death. So don't be surprised in the New Testament. uh, don't, don't, uh, Don't be surprised when you fall into various trials and tribulations. It happens even to the best of us, even to those who are most faithful. The Apostle Paul, of course, we know wrote two-thirds of the books of the New Testament. A faithful man of God did incredible things for the kingdom. We are benefiting to this day from his writings and his teachings. And yet he was, how many times was he mocked and persecuted, chased out of town and stoned to death and uh, ultimately found his way uh, to a Roman cross? And we could even say, what about Jesus who lived a perfect life on earth? who never sinned, not once, not against God, not against anybody else. And for that perfect life, what did he get from this broken, fallen world? He was cursed, he was accused, he was rejected by men. And he got what he did not deserve on the cross, right? And so what I'm saying is that God understands what it means to be heartbroken. He knows what it means to lose something unjustly. And as much as as we are angry about the sickness and cancer in little babies, God is even more angry about it. And I'm telling you, God has already done something about it. He has not left it alone. But that very act at the cross of Jesus Christ, that very act of, 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 uh, of forgiveness, is what will ultimately lead 
to the redemption of all things, including sickness and illness and pain. Are you still with me? God was not happy to sit by and watch this world go to hell. But he did something about it. And the only way that we can, we, we can come against the powers of death and hell and sickness and illness is to surrender our lives to a living God. And by the precious blood, we can be washed clean. Not only us, our families, our church, our city, our nation, our world will one day finally be free from the curse of sin. That's something to be happy about. So, sometimes faithful people endure hardship. King Hezekiah, good man, great things for the Lord, great things for the kingdom, but he's sick and he's close to death. What's amazing to me is that the Lord told him, you're about to die. Put your house in order, Hezekiah. Get things ready. You're going to die. Now, I just want to tell you that God was not lying when he said that. God cannot lie. And even though it didn't happen at this moment, one day Hezekiah did die. And so we can say that even though it didn't happen then, the, the commandment of the Lord did come true. Put your house in order, for you are going to die. This is actually, to Hezekiah, a great gift. We don't see it like that. But this word from the Lord, if you received a, a word like that, you know, that would really change your life. It would cause you to really examine the way that you're living. I think there's a country song about that. If you would live like you're dying, it would really change the way you see life. It would begin to cause you to examine your priorities. And if the things that you're doing are really, really important in time and in eternity. But in uh, hearing this word, King Hezekiah heard, hears this word from the Lord. Put your house in order. Prepare yourself. You're going to die. Verse 2, what I love about King Hezekiah is that he was not satisfied just to receive that and say, okay, Lord, I guess that's the way it's got to be. Listen, there's a lot of Christians. There's a lot of believers. There's a lot of faithful people, good people of God, that if you heard that word from the Lord, like I said earlier, you would have said, well, I guess it's God's will then. I guess that's the way God wants it to be. It's going to be hard for me, for my family, but you know what? God told it to me. God, God said, the word of the Lord. Put your house in order. You're about to die. So what does a faithful person do? We should submit to the will of God. We should take it and we should just, okay, I guess that's it. But that is not what Hezekiah did. And that's not what we should do either. I want to tell you tonight, or this morning, that thoughts and prayers do matter. There is a movement in the secular world which says thoughts and prayers are useless. You've seen this movement over the past few years and it, it pops its ugly head every time that there is some terrible mass killing, or there's a shooting, uh, there's some kind of... And, and you'll see it in the press and, the, and they'll say, uh, and you'll see even politicians begin to spout their ugly faces and they will say uh, thoughts and prayers are not enough. We've got to do something. New York Daily News, one headline said, God isn't fixing this. As the latest batch of innocent Americans are left lying in pools of blood, cowards who could truly end the gun scourge continue to hide between meaningless platitudes of thoughts and prayers. Do you know what that means? 
it means they have no idea what prayer is. It means that they never have prayed themselves. And it means that they have never thought about changing something until a tragedy like this strikes. When we say thoughts and prayers, we, we understand that God is a miracle worker who can truly change the course of history. And that's why thoughts and prayers are not a waste of time, not a waste of resources. In fact, you can do more with your prayers than any politician in Washington. Did you hear me? Hezekiah did more with one prayer to God than he could as the, as the king of Israel. He had the power to issue laws and decrees, but guess what? No decree could save his life. When every doctor's advice was exhausted, the only thing he had left was thoughts and prayers. And that's the true power this morning. When God said to Hezekiah, your life is over, he, with respect, he was not disrespectful, he was not bitter, but he began to say to the Lord, remember your servant. Remember what I've done for you, Lord. You, beloved, just like Hezekiah, you are, you, you are not any less special than he is. You have the right to speak to the Lord. It doesn't mean that God owes you anything. In fact, Hezekiah deserved to die, right? It would have been right for God to do exactly as he said. But even in that, faithful servants have the right to speak to the Lord about the present situation. He said, Lord, remember your faithful servant. The reason that he could say that is because he knew about his faithfulness. He could look back to the track record of his life and he could point out to God, look, I've done this for you. I've helped you here. I've changed the nation. I've worked hard for the kingdom. And Lord, I just want you to remember that. Now, if you remember those things and you don't answer my prayer, hey, I'm good. I can go, go to heaven. I'll be happy. Praise the Lord. But you just remember, God, your righteous servant, your faithful servant. That is not pride. That is not boasting. That is just a statement of reality. Think about Abraham for a moment. God comes to him and says, I am about to destroy the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham could have said, and probably what I would have said is, praise God, it's about time. Wipe that place off the map. It is nasty. But that's not what Abraham said. Because Abraham had family there. He's got a nephew. A nephew's wife. And there's daughters. There's children involved. And what does Abraham do? He pleads with God. Lord, I know it's your will to destroy that city. And I can see why. But for the sake of the righteous that are still there, would you spare the city? Do you know what's amazing? God said yes. God said, I want to kill all of those people. I want to wipe their sins off the face of the earth, the, the, the wickedness that is rising like a stench into my nostrils. But you know what, Abraham? Because you spoke up, because you prayed, because you stood, I will withhold my judgment. Can I remind you, church, you have that right. That's what prayer is. That's what it should be. 
It is looking at the injustices of our lives, of our culture, of our city, of the time that we're living in, saying, Lord, would you change this? Do not just accept things the way they are. God intends for us to have dominion. This is the subject of Pastor Campbell's book, From Deliverance to Dominion, that God created Adam and Eve in the garden, and he gave them exercise of dominion, authority over the garden. He made this beautiful place, and part of the image of God that is made in us is to exercise dominion over God's creation. He says, I made this place, now you're in charge. Now take that dominion. It could have been very easy for Adam and Eve uh, to say, you know what, I don't want that. Let somebody else. You know what, but there was nobody else. And if they don't exercise that dominion, the garden turns into a jungle. And that's exactly the same reason why our world is so broken, because there are so many people in so many places who have not exercised the God-given dominion over their realm of the, of the world. There are fathers who uh, sire children and then run away. And they don't take dominion over that field that God has given to them. That's wrong. And it leaves in their wake a broken family, a broken woman, a broken child, because they will not exercise dominion. I'm not going to take responsibility for my actions. When a father, a husband of a home doesn't cover his family, doesn't protect and provide for them, it's the same thing. It is the field that God has given you, and your garden turns into a jungle. Our cities right now. The shootings, the killings, the blood running in the street. It is worse than it's ever been in my entire life. Young men dying in the streets, shootings, killings. Police are running away from the scenes. And I don't blame them. It's bad right now. But you know what? What it comes down to is people who will not take the dominion that God has given to them. I want to tell you this morning, you and I as believers, as faithful people of God, we have the right to say, God, this, this needs to change. Let's close with this last thought. Faithful servants can change things. Listen to verse 4 as we close. It happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court. Isaiah, remember, is the prophet who had spoken for the Lord to King Hezekiah. That the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, and surely I will heal you. It was only verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then in verse 5, compare these two. Thus says the Lord, I have heard your prayer, I will surely heal you. How, do you. how do you work that out? The Lord said both of them. How many know the Lord is still in charge? How many know the Lord is still sovereign over all things? And yet in verse 1 he says, you're about to die. And in verse 5 he says, surely I will heal you. You need to use that this morning to raise up your faith in your expectations in life. Raise up your idea of what God could do in the people and in the neighborhoods around you. 
Raise up your ex. You look at somebody and say, oh, they're, they're wicked in sin. They're falling all the way to, the, to, to hell. And you know what? They're going to die in their sins. You know what? Raise up your expectations. God can heal them. It's an incredible thing this morning. I want to say to you that God is not afraid of your requests. In fact, your requests, your prayers, your supplications, your faith is what pleases God. And He is not afraid of the engagement, of the back and forth, of the negotiation. You see Abraham saying, oh, if there's 50, oh, if there's 40, oh, if there's 30, there's a back and forth, there's a negotiation. God said, okay, yeah, all right, okay, Abraham. And he gets him all the way down. If there's 10 righteous, only 10. Listen, God, He loves to negotiate with righteous and faithful people. Now, let me just say this. Sometimes, God will not change the circumstance. Sometimes, He will let Hezekiah die and not answer the prayer. In fact, there was an occasion in the Word of God that there was a righteous and a faithful man who prayed earnestly to the Lord to change the situation, but the situation was not changed. I'm speaking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, who was even more faithful than Hezekiah, who is even more righteous, who is even cl more close to the Father, and his prayer was even more earnest to the Lord. And he said, Lord, if there's any way that we can change this, if there's any, if, if, if there's any other cup, can, I, can this cup be passed from me? And the Lord basically says, no. Sometimes there's a higher purpose and a plan that we cannot perceive, that we are not aware of. Sometimes God doesn't change things, and we've got to be okay with that. We can't let that make us bitter. But, having said that, many times, God does change things. You can't let the times that God didn't answer your prayer become your excuse why you don't continue to pray. Some of you, you are upset at God because you prayed and you were earnest and you turned your face, just like Hezekiah, you turned your face to the wall, you wept before the Lord, and still your prayer was not answered. And you've let that account, you've let that experience begin to jade your faith for the rest of your life. Don't let it happen. Because we still serve a God who can bring healing, who can extend life. We still serve the God who can cause the earth to turn 10 degrees backwards as a sign that he healed King Hezekiah. Now, if God can do all of those things, no doubt he can still answer your prayer if it fits within his will. Hezekiah was not praying for a Lamborghini. He was not praying for something selfish. He was praying, Lord, extend my life so that I can continue to do your work. God says, you know what? Okay, that fits. That fits in my will. You got it, bud. I close with this story. Pastor Mark Olson told this story in a conference a couple of years ago. There at the, uh, at the building, some of you maybe have been to the church in Tempe, Arizona. That's the church that he's pastored for 20 plus years. And uh, so they've got a building there. It's in, it's in Tempe, Arizona. It's on University Boulevard, very close to the University of, Ari of uh, uh, Arizona State University. And uh, so they're, they're, they're doing improvements on University Boulevard right in front of the church. They're expanding and adding lanes 
to make the, the, make the, 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 the road wider. And their church is, just like our church here, is, is right on the, on the edge of the road. And so the, the, the original road that has been there for all these years has one of those turning lanes in the middle. You know, you can kind of pull into that turning lane and you can wait for the traffic to clear. And then when the traffic is clear, you can turn, turn left into the parking lot. So as a result of this widening of the road, the city planners had come in there and they were saying that they have to create a divider in between the traffic lanes. And so if that was going to happen, what that means is that uh, people who are coming to church, that they would no longer be able to make that left turn into the church parking lot, but instead, kind of like here on Lynn Haven, they would have to come down to the next stoplight, make a U-turn, and come back around, and then a right turn into the church parking lot. Okay, everybody? So that, that was the plan. The city planners, they'd already begun construction. Pastor Olson learns of this change that they're about to implement. And do you know what he does? He does not say, well, I guess that's just the will of the city. I guess that's just the way it's got to be. It's not that big of a deal, right? Got to make people drive an extra quarter mile, turn around, and then into the parking lot. That's ah, not such a big deal. But that's not what he did. <laughs> Pastor Mark Olson made a stink. He said, you know what? We've been making this left turn for the last 30 years into this building. And you're not going to stop us from doing that. He went to the city council. He brought the church members. They all testified. We don't want this barricade. It's unnecessary. We don't need it. Just leave the barricade open. And you know what happened? The city changed their mind. They had to hire an architect again to change the plans to remove that center barricade so that the church could continue to make that left turn. For a left turn, Pastor Mark Olson. He prayed and believed God and went to the city and fought for it. For a left turn. I want to challenge you. If God can answer a prayer for a left turn, don't you think God can answer a prayer for the needs of your life? Don't you think we should raise up our faith? Don't you think we should, we should raise up our expectations with God? And not just accept life as it is. God wants us to live supernaturally above and beyond expectations. So let your creativity flow. God created us. He is a creative God. When you look at the people around you, you shouldn't just see people as they are. You can pray them into what God made them to be. We know sometimes God doesn't change things, but many times he will. You hold on to that. And like King Hezekiah, let's believe God. The word of the Lord said, put my affairs in order. But you know what? I believe God. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.